Recorded live deep within the heart of Castle Shadowgate, on a mic taped to the Staff of Ages, it's the RF Generation Nation podcast number six. This is your host, Jeff. You can find me on the forums as Slacker. And this is Adam. You know me as BigMan2K. We have a great show lined up here, including a special guest and interview with Red McKnight. We have what's new on Channel 3, recent gaming news. I'm sorry. And a new game shout-out. We've got a special guest with us, as uh, Jess mentioned, with Red McKnight. Um, we're going to get to know Red a little bit, and then uh, should uh, have him around for the rest of the podcast, and hopefully get his input on some, uh, some of the topics we're going to talk about today, too. So, Mr. Red. Can I call you Red? Yeah. Uh, you've been on the site for just over two weeks, and your effort really embodies what we love about the site. You've got pictures of your collection, uh, reviews out, lore stories, grail hunts, uh, even demoing a sprite comic. So, uh, what brought you to RF Generation? Well, I just wanted to start a blog about gaming and how much I love it. And, well, I didn't expect to get any reception out of it, really. I just figured people would read it and shrug it off. But, you know, I needed a place to vent my thoughts on gaming, and, well, here I am. So, so far, what what have you thought about as far as what kind of reception you have been getting through the community? I mean, has it been you know good news, or are you kind of inspiring you to stick around? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's been real good. Excellent. The check's in the mail. What um, what kind of inspired you to start off with a uh, a sprite comic there? That well, I read one a long time ago called Bob and George, and I just found it wonderful, and that's what inspired me to start one. And I love Pokemon, so yeah. <laughs> okay, that's killer because I was gonna ask you a recommendation, and if you didn't say Bob and George, I was gonna tell you to go read it. I have read the entire thing. I have really enjoyed it. So you're already showing me up by finishing a Nintendo classic that I myself never completed, um, namely The Adventures of Bayou Billy. Grr. What's uh, So what's your backlog now? Are you going to go for Battletoads? Well, I really don't have much of a backlog because, you know, I don't keep one, but Battletoads, yeah, I might actually go for it, if only to prove a point. Record it. Heaven's sake, recorded. I haven't seen anyone ever finish that game without a Game Genie. Actually, me and a friend with the Game Genie have yet to finish it. <laughs> so, Red, do you, would you consider yourself more of a, a game collector or just a pure gamer that happens to collect games? Definitely a gamer. So what made you decide to start collecting, um, like as opposed to just using emulators and that kind of thing? Well, I just... You know, rather have the physical thing in my hand rather than some virtual copy. I think that's, that's what how. Trying to, I, oh, say, I think I think that's how a lot of us are. That's what I keep on trying to talk myself out of every time I look over at my Neo Geo section. <laughs> Favorite game or game-related item? Oh, definitely Chrono Cross. It's the perfect game. No, no questions asked. Good call. What would be in in all of your dreams? What would be the one system that you would hope to find in mint condition? at a Goodwill or Salvation Army shop. Definitely a Philips CDI from the 300 series because it's portable. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. Mine actually, my, mine, my CDI is kind of like one of my little random happy stories. I was at a, a junk shop. I mean, it wasn't even like a pawn shop. It was just a junk shop. And I saw, I saw a CDI sitting there with a bunch of other CD players. And I knew what it was, and I was all excited, and I asked the guy what he wanted for it, and he's like, oh, it doesn't work. You can, you can have it for like 20 bucks, and I'm like, ah. So I brought it home, and 
uh, it ended up the, the magnet that uh, attaches inside for you know when the, when it, the CD goes in. Sure. It's actually stuck at the bottom. So every time you put a CD in, it would make a horrible grinding noise. Oh and, yeah. Uh, so I just took it apart and I just literally disconnected that that uh, magnet from the top, glued it on the bottom, and I had a working CDI. It was nice. Yeah, one of my happy little yay goodwill stories. Sorry, Red. Uh, along those lines, what what a uh, what game would you hope to find? You know, same kind of deal, mint condition, at just a a shop like that. As much as I despise it, action fifty two. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> it's one of those things you don't really want to have to pay for so much as just you know find. Yeah. So you recently scored a, a personal grail, the Almighty Power Glove. Is it really everything you wanted? Or is it already on the shelf, like, only occasionally glared at? It is actually not on the shelf. I, I really love this thing. It's more than I thought it would be. Awesome. You know, for uh, there was uh, for a little while, I, I remember reading that people were making virtual interfaces with that, like, uh, basically hacking it onto their PC and mm-hmm. using it for, like, virtual windows and such. Yeah. Uh, do you play anything modern at all? Uh, yeah, my PS3, my Wii, and my PSP. Along those lines, what kind of gamer are you? you like social, loner, hardcore, casual? Well, kind of a mix, really. I I am a loner gamer most of the time, but if someone's actually with me in the room, I will play with them. And to kind of wrap this all up, where do you see um, gaming in ten years? Resetting itself back to eight bad. <laughs> <laughs> we can all dream. I'm not kidding. I really do see it resetting itself back to 8-bit. Technology is at its peak the way I see it. You know, it's interesting you mention that because a lot of these really popular releases lately um, are things like Farmville and Angry Birds and stuff that you don't need a lot of horsepower to run. And, uh, you know, they're just – when I found out how many people played Farmville, it just – I mean, it just blew my mind that that this was such a big deal. But, you know, you got a good point. You know, we've – I think we've gotten to a point where uh, gaming has gotten so complex and so many buttons and, and so many millions of dollars on a title that when you have a game that can have millions of users that, that cost next to nothing to build and only has one or two people in a shop doing it kind of like the old days, yeah, actually I could see that. Well, and then if you look at something like the uh, PSN and Xbox Live releases that are – you know, look at Scott Pilgrim and that its style of a, you know, a classic arcade style – Side-scrolling beat 'em up, um, the you know the resurgence of X-Men on the PSN and Xbox. The, there's definitely a market for it. 3D dot game heroes with its style of graphics. It's not you know necessarily the same kind of gameplay, but things could move that way. I mean, there's always I think there's going to be a market for that kind of thing. You know, always. Yeah, as long as RF generations around. That's right. I do well. This- Mr. Ed, we thank you for that, and we're going to move on to what's new on Channel 3. Single Banana reviews a few 2,600 titles, including Entombed and Space Cavern. Uh, we've also got a new unloved article from Crabmaster2000. He is covering Summer Carnival 92. Is that from Rekka? No, that's the title. That's the title? Okay. And and thank you, dude, because I looked this up after you had that on, on the title, and uh, I... I immediately tracked one down, and I'm hoping I can get one because <laughs> I feel bad. I'm a big fan of the genre, and I had no idea about this title. It's just something I somehow missed. And when I read your article, I was like, "Oh, this is this is so me." So yeah, hopefully, thanks to you, I should be getting one. <laughs> and 
I posted an article exploring the challenge of video game difficulties. You can find all these and more on our front page and forums at rfgeneration.com. All right, now we're going to move on to some other gaming news. Not necessarily gaming, but it kind of affects the gaming community. Digital Press has been having some pretty uh, major problems with their website. They've been down, you know, off and on. Um, the forums have been up and down. The main site, even the Rarity Guy, has been kind of up and down. Um, right now, the forums are, for a, at least a couple days I know, have been saying that uh, they are going to be down until the January 31st, but they're going to be evaluating some other options. So I'm not sure what exactly that's going to mean for the site, but I know that there's a ton of people that use Digital Press for either as a resource with the Rarity Guides or you know a, a ton of people use the forums. And it'll be interesting to see what actually happens. I mean, I, I hate to speculate and say that you know the forums could possibly go away, but they're they're currently. Uh, right now, on, on their page, it's saying that, you know, like I said, they're down till the 31st, but they're also referring people over to Atari Age. And I don't know if that's a sign that they are trying to try and transition people over there, but either way, it's uh, it's not a good thing for them to have been down this long. Now, Digital Press has been a, a serious staple in the collector community for video games for... I, it's, for years and years and years, it was the first website I found that you know, majorly catered to old school games and uh, the, just the amount of hours and hours I've spent on the forums and reviewing their material and stuff. It's just it's I really hope that they're able to, to you know to be able to come back from that. They've been down several times before. It's not like this is necessarily a you know really big news that it's happened this time, but considering the uh, the length of time it's been down and and what some people are talking about on the forums kind of got us <laughs> a little bit concerned. So, yeah, we're just trying to uh, trying to put one in for the team there and and hope that they're able to put something together. Duke Nukem Forever release date May third, twenty five eleven. I am the king of the world, baby. I didn't notice until we had this typed up. It actually repeats DNF as in did not finish. The uh, <laughs> the poster child for vaporware everywhere finally has a new lease on life. And now we all can talk about the Phantom again, <laughs> <laughs> which is the greatest name for vaporware ever. Yeah, something tells me that that was just that had to be more than poetic justice. That had to be purposeful. <laughs> so. I suppose, in a way, this kind of gives new hope to some of these in-limbo titles that have been around forever because so many people have just written this off and so many, so much vaporware has come and gone in the meantime. And what's so sad is that there's no way this game can live up to anybody's expectations who's been waiting on it all this time. No, but I think there's a ton of people that are going to buy it just to see what it is. And really... I think it's going to be a different game than it was originally supposed to be, just because it's been so long and it's got the you know. I I just think that based on the way that Borderlands played and it's the same guys doing it, I just have to think that they are going to treat it right. Especially, I mean, it it just has. I I am going to be so disappointed if it comes out and it's bad. I mean, even if it's okay, I'll take okay after 14 years. 
Yeah, that's what we said about Too Human. That eh, didn't pan out so well. And pray. <laughs> uh, wait just a second here. <laughs> um, despite the game taking forever to release, hence the name Duke Nukem Forever, all I know is we better get a first-person shooter or I'm going to be really... It's a kart racer. <laughs> now, Duke Nukem 3D was like one of the best games ever, in my opinion, so we better get a first-person shooter. Duke Nukem 3D is a classic. And, you know, of to, to, for a game like this to have only four main series titles, with Forever being the fourth, um, he has quite the audience behind him. And there's, I think there's going to be, especially with all the hype of being so long and everything else, for it to actually come out, man, I think it's going to be huge for some reason. I just got this this feeling it's going to be a huge game. Well, it has this aura about it now, this kind of air of mystery that it, it actually survived all of this. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting that uh, they announced this, and I'd already seen all of the uh, all the stuff from Bulletstorm, which to me, until they really were serious about bringing Duke Nukem Forever back, that to me looked like the modern Duke Nukem. You know, you, you had the the kicking mechanic, the the crazy language and and uh, you know quote unquote adult elements that was peppered through it for for humor's sake more or less. Mm-hmm. You know that to me I thought was like the next gen Duke Nukem, and I think they did too. <laughs> now this is, you know, it, it really did seem to kind of come out of nowhere. And oh, it definitely came out of nowhere because 3D Realm shut down last May, uh, and, and I won't get my sequel to Bray. <laughs> I mean, 3D Realm shut down, and there it is. Duke Nukem Forever is finally finished. And then, here comes November, Duke Nukem's coming out, and it's coming out next year, and then, you know, two months later, we have a release date, it's May, it's six months from when they when they announced that, uh, you know, the Borderlands developers are doing it. That's that's huge. I am totally excited. Borderlands was a really big game, wasn't it? Oh, I was a big fan of Borderlands. Oh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't remember it, uh, I could be way off... I don't remember it like a huge lead up to it though. For Borderlands? Yeah, did it have a I mean, well what's crazy is they had a trailer for it a year or so before it was released with it, you know, before they went to the new art style. Mm-hmm. And it it really made a huge difference what what they changed for the art style because it looked interesting just from the preview but you really couldn't tell it any different from a, a normal first person shooter. Sure. From what it was suggesting, and you know, I remember when they they showed screenshots of the new art style, and, and it looked so different. And I was thinking that was a really strange game to start shell shading. But mm-hmm. what you know, the comic effect, the comic book look that they went for uh, ended up being kind of its own thing. You know, they didn't use a lot of the, the the deep dark lines to separate it like an actual comic book. They just kind of ended up with their own art style that that really made it uh, just really made it pop. I, I was yeah it, that. It wasn't until they redesigned the art that the game itself became a headliner. Right. Uh, you know, I think it just had kind of some some background bubbling interest because it had the RPG elements. Mm-hmm. And then when they when they showed new screenshots, that's when everyone was like, "Whoa, we'll keep an eye on that now." Now, if they do some kind of crazy cel shading with Duke Nukem, then you'll hear people talk. Yeah. <laughs> Duke Nukem, the cartoon, coming to a Saturday morning near you. <laughs> Mom will love it. All right. One other uh, release date that we happen to get. Um, the 3DS has gotten its U.S. release date and the pricing for U.S. also. Um, 
It is going to be two hundred and fifty dollars. Two hundred and fifty dollars, and it's just going to. It'll be here sooner than you think. At uh, March twenty seventh. Um. It's just it's another kind of weird. Um. You know, another kind of weird uh, release date because it's like you know you don't hear. You, you know, you hear all about the hardware and everything, and then all of a sudden, uh, oh yeah, it's coming out in two months. This will go about as well as the 3DO launch. I don't know. I'm giving them more credit than that. Yeah, um, we only have one company making this hardware for one, and uh, <laughs> it is by a you know an actually you know defined company in the industry, not Trip Hawkins and his cavalcade of. 3DO manufacturers. <laughs> I think you do have a... Sorry, go on. Uh, sorry, I just cannot see Nintendo as doing something as sloppy as the 3DS, what with it lasting only three to five hours. Yeah, we've remarked about that. I think the 250 price point did surprise a lot of uh, a lot of the industry because Nintendo's notorious for um, slipping a, a portable system in there underneath you know, just at that right sweet spot of a price that will will latch onto the major market, and this, a lot of folks. Well, of course, you know, we're not going to talk about the Virtual Boy, but um, <laughs> it, it does seem like the first system they've released that the price made a lot of people kind of go, oh, hmm. Yeah, and again, uh, I, I I see both sides of it. I mean, the DS, you know, it came out at 150, and it just. It was a new play style ahead of touchscreen, but this is this is entirely new. It's not just a it's not just a DS with 3D capabilities. It's upgraded graphics. It's got the 3D. It's got you know 3D cameras. It's got all this ridiculous hardware for a handheld, and it's only 250 bucks. Where you know, I mean, you, yeah, you can say yeah, it's a, it's a portable handheld, but it's 250 dollars. Well, you know, that's what the PSP was at launch too in the U.S. Before they came out with the value pack, that didn't have anything with it. Um, but that that shows the difference in approach Nintendo's going with this one on, though, because Nintendo typically does not cater to the, the tech industry. You know, the, sure. the, they're they're known for releasing, uh, oftentimes what's even considered underpowered hardware for the mm-hmm. time, just because they're making a profit on, on on every system sold from the get go. That's just part of their their business strategy and. So this is, uh, you know, aside again from from the the weird lapse that was the Virtual Boy, this is kind of a, a new territory for them to seeming to cater more towards, uh, you know, the upper end of something different and new like that. You know, the, the argument could be made that the Wii was in the same category, but the tech for the Wii was was already honestly pretty aged at the time of release. It just wasn't incorporated in an entertainment product as mainstream as that and uh, as developed as that. Mm-hmm. So I think that. Uh, they're they're really trying something different with this, and it's and uh, like Red said, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, what the what the public thinks of it. You know, it, the DS, the first iteration, even though it was priced fair for what it was at the time, it didn't sell as outstanding until the light was released. You know, you know refresh oh, yeah. as, as, soon as, the light, as soon as the light came out, the thing caught on fire and blew. You know, it, up until the light launched, yeah, the DS and PSP were selling roughly equivalent, and then the light came out and it just Took off, and that I mean it's it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, this is you know it, it is the first you know Nintendo consoles have barely you know the Wii's the only bit, 
been the only one that sold for 250. And um, the N64 I thought did, but I I have been wrong on that. I thought it, you know some people said 200. I thought always thought it was 250 at launch, but um, the, for a handheld like this to come over come out at or above 200 bucks is just not something that Nintendo's known for. But this is this is all new territory too. Yeah, they've saturated the um, the the. the the portable market already with their current hardware. They've also, um, you know, certainly saturated the the console market, and it almost seems like they have to to tweak a different angle to mm-hmm. to attack. And uh, I, my my initial impression is that this is going to be just like the DS versus the DS Lite. You're going to have a lot of early adopters just because it's it's new tech, it's neat, and uh, you'll have a lot of early adopters that will swallow the price of the hardware, but not not huge. And then they'll come out with the, the new iteration of it, and that you know maybe at a lower price point and some better battery life. That probably will be what will just you know take off. Mm-hmm. Then again, it might fail. You know, I mean, you, you did have the Virtual Boy. It's they <laughs> keep on bringing that up like an albatross over Nintendo's neck. But I mean, they did build the thing, put it out there, and just watch it flop like a dead fish. So actually, yeah. I don't think that dead fish flopped very well, but. It, and, and that, that stand was fairly infallible. steady, so it wouldn't necessarily just flop over. But um. it, it it just it shows that they're not infallible. You know, I mean, it, Nintendo has sure. brilliant business acumen, but it does show that every now and then they make a, a big misstep, and so we'll see. Yep. Well, hold on a second here. <laughs> um, the Virtual Boy failed because you know it wasn't done. The the inventor of the device even said he didn't want it released in its present state. Sure. That's a very good point. Yeah, so, in, in fact, Gumpa Yoko is one of my industry heroes, and it was just a, a tragic case of events with him tinkering with that hardware for so long and Nintendo saying, okay, you wasted enough of our R&D, push out something. Well, it was Nintendo's fault, being they wanted him to rush it out and all. I think, I mean, really, to me, this is, this is what the Virtual Boy should have been. Full-color 3D, and... You know, the Virtual Boy had the, you know, is the goggle setup, but the, the you know, 3D tech even then wasn't, you know, for, for home market, wasn't even close to being there. I mean, really. And now when we're seeing the advance of 3D TV and 3D TV on the PlayStation, and now we're, now we're getting to the point where Nintendo has made it portable, and so you don't have to wear glasses. I mean, well, I, I think it's... You know, to call it the next Virtual Boy, it, you know, it's it's what it should have been, really, and and that's what you know. The, there's a lot of things you can say that about where a second or third attempt at it is what it should have been in the first place, but that's really it wasn't just feasible at the time. Well, yeah, but still, that the man who invented it, he was he was so upset that he died. Remember that too. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Car crash. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. That's beside the point. Yeah, it, it's they they did in. I, I read more than one article talking about how he was just a heartbroken man. I mean, he did get ushered right out of Nintendo right after well, that, he, and he was considered a failure despite him pioneering the Game Boy and, and a lot of other Nintendo successes. And if I remember, right, they they gave him a uh, essentially a corner office job, which in Japan means they don't want you messing with stuff. They just want they're just they'll continue to pay you for your. You know, all your years of service, but we don't want you to touch anything new. It's and a dishonorable discharge, really. Essentially, yes. I felt we kept on cutting you off there, Red. Is there, <laughs> is there anything? Because uh, I felt like you had a thought there you were running with, and I didn't want to. I didn't want you to not have a chance to finish. 
I already said it. I was just going to say how, well, like I said, the man died because, well, his virtual boy failed. You know, I think if it had succeeded, he would have been able to succumb with, not succumb with willpower and, uh, you know, overcome that problem when he got hit by the car. Still, it is a tragedy. It is. It's one of those, it, you know, many many instances in gaming where like, man, I wish we could have had a redo on that. You know, too bad we don't, don't have real extra lives. I mean, because he went, he went and created the Wonder Swan then too, right? Is yeah, that... we got to see the finished product. Yeah, but I mean, if 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 the Virtual Boy would have panned out better, he may not have even been in the position to go on to make that. He may have still been at Nintendo, and you know, the, you know, it's a butterfly effect all the way back where he may not have even been in a position where he would have been in the car that crashed where that killed him. So, you know, it's a butterfly effect to speculate on that. But yeah, it's it's very possible that certain events may have led that way. <laughs> Well, going back to the tech site, I mean, uh, like Red was saying, you know, he had uh, a prototype of a color version yeah. up and running, and uh, you know, they just—he was still working on the weight problem and the price problem. From mm-hmm. from what you know, I, I read on it, he, those were the two factors that he was just trying to wrap up when when Nintendo, you know, kind of booted him out. And yeah, I agree with you, Red. That that's it's just one of those tragedies of of our gaming industry. Well, they wanted to push their resources towards completing the N64, from what I read. Yeah, because even that was delayed and delayed and went from Ultra to... <laughs> to just Nintendo. And then tagging every single game with it. <laughs> I still want my Killer Instinct and Killer Instinct 2 on a home console, man. <sighs> there is another thing, too. Uh, you got to remember this. If it weren't for him creating the Game Boy, we probably also wouldn't have the DS now. Oh, yeah. That's a good call. Yeah, he, he carved out their entire portable, uh, yeah, their entire portable line, so. <laughs> Not to mention several classics, including Metroid. Yeah, he's, he's one of those that, unfortunately, we've kind of, I don't want to say forgotten, but we've, we've moved past, so you don't hear his name come up nearly as often for as much as that, as much as he did for the industry, yeah. Okay, Red. Now you're gonna to have to do a write-up on Gunpei Yoko for our um, for our site here. <laughs> <laughs> I probably will. And now for our gaming shout-out of the week. This is a section where we just pick a random title that we've been goofing off with and give you our impressions. This one for me is the PlayStation Network version of Tetris. I have 50 copies of this game lying around the house, and let me tell you why. If you're a fan of Tetris, you need to pick up the PlayStation Network version. It has, amongst many, many other game modes, a two-team battle mode, where you can have four people playing, two per team, and they introduce a new tactical system to it, where the only way to send junk lines over to the other side is to be on attack mode. And then you can press a button to switch into defend mode, which is the only way to remove lines when junk lines are put on your side. The junk lines that pop up underneath you don't have a, an opening to fix. They're, they're blotted out lines, and the only way to get rid of them and lower your well is to, be on the def- is to switch to defensive mode. And every time you get a double or more, it removes uh, the junk that's sent over to you by one line at a time. If both, of your mem- both members of your team are on attack, the other side speeds up their drops. If your side is both on defend, you remove two layers of junk for every one that you get. 
So the the crazy fast paced strategy that you end up with four decent Tetris players is just amazing. Uh, I can't believe no one ever came up with this mechanic before for Tetris because it's a battle mode. It is a riot. I've, you'll, if you were here at my home on um, Friday night, you'd probably have been, oh, all these games are going to collapse on me. But other than that, you would have heard shouts of, attack, attack, defense, defense, defense. It, it's just, <laughs> it was so much fun. And if you have a couple of friends who are into Tetris, uh, it's got a bunch of other stuff in it besides this, but I just had to give a shout out to that because it's new, it's amazing, it's fun. If you're like us and you love team games and competitive games at the same time, you can pick this up. How much is it? It's ten bucks. I might have to get that. That sounds oh awesome. God. It is. It is so much fun. So what do you have, Mr. Adam? Um, well, this is going to kind of lead in, but I'm going to have to go with uh, my shout out. <laughs> this one's going to have to be uh, Connect Adventures. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> For those who have been keeping score on the previous <laughs> podcast, I do believe some, how to say, negativity was passed towards said console uh, uh, attachment. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah. That's going to be my new ringtone. <laughs> I got uh, I got to connect. And it came with Connect Adventures, and my wife uh, got Dance Central for it, and um, we finally got it hooked up this past weekend. And Connect Adventures is quite fun. There are there's <laughs> five game modes: um, river rafting. One of them's kind of like a um, a rail kind of an on rails kind of obstacle deal where you have to go to one side, you know, step one side or the other. Um, there's one where you have to kind of swim or like float around in space and pop bubbles. And then there's one that's kind of like, uh, kind of like 3d Arkanoid where you're batting around like, uh, rubber playground balls and trying to bash down targets and then kick them back when they come back at you. And that's the one I enjoyed the most. There's one other one. I can't remember what it is right off the top of my head now, but, um, so it, it wasn't just purely consisting of psychic turn-based soccer. Oh, that no, that one's bad. And and uh, to be quite honest, there are still some quirks to it. Um, where you're, if you're switching players, it you know it may have uh, do some kind of strange things. Because um, if you switch players, it will actually rescan the area and adjust for it. But our living room. I think we had, we probably got seven or eight feet, um, if that, between the connect and our recliner, and found myself bumping into the chair. You have to have a lot of space. Um, that's my biggest complaint. I can understand why you need space for it, but man, you just need a ton of space for it. And um, if you don't have, if you are starting off too close to the camera, it will only allow you to play in one-player mode because there's yep. just not enough space to play. We did have a chance over at uh, my wife's aunt's house. Um, they've got a larger house. They've got a big old living room with a lot of space. Hook it up in there. People were playing Dance Central for quite some time. It, it was... I've heard 
that's the best title for the Connect launch right now. I've heard several people praising that one. I, I'm not a big fan of dancing, for one. Um, so I haven't really played it yet. Uh, my wife loves it. Um, and then her and, you know, there were several people over there that were, that really enjoyed it. So, it, you know, I am apologizing now for my, uh, initial snap judgment of the connect. I, I can totally see the merit. There's obviously some bugs and stuff that need to be worked out, but, um, I, I'm starting to get it. Once some, you know, more, even more mainstream, not just casual kind of party kind of games. I mean, and aside, you know, where you're actually having to move around. I'll be interested to see what actually happens with those. Um, but it is, def- I can definitely see, man, I'll just say it, the Connect Adventures, it was a lot of fun. As long as Steel Battalion Connect allows me to do the robot in front of my TV, <laughs> enough for me. That's probably enough. I'm, I'm sure... Microsoft is going to send your check now. Woohoo! So, did you have anything there, Ed? Uh, yeah, I there is one game I've been playing a lot lately. Um, Super Glove Ball for the NES. It involves the use yes. of the, the Power Glove. <laughs> yes, that was my favorite Power Glove game. Well, I cannot un- I cannot understand why this thing gets so much hate. Super Glove Ball is excellent. I mean. It's like a 3D version of br- the classic breakout game. You move your hand around in a fist formation, and you just knock the ball back and forth, and you can even shoot bullets at enemies by holding out your index finger. It's cool. <laughs> it, it, that was, to me, the, the best use of the tech that I'd seen. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that one, actually. And Now, that was actually developed by Mattel, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. That There is... There's your examples right there. Connect Adventures, I, you know, of, of course, that's, going back a second, that, I mean, that's so far my favorite title on there, but developed by Microsoft. You look at Super Glove Ball, um, developed by Mattel, who developed the Power Glove. Look at all the first person, or the first party, uh, Wii titles. You know, they're the companies that are going to show off the tech the best, and, you know, I've I've never played Glove Ball with a power glove before. And oh, you're missing out. I know it. I I need to hook mine up sometime. <laughs> I, I got a feeling that's you know that's why we ended up with Connect and Move is because a couple of these developers actually had one of those at home and played around on Super Glove Ball and it's like I could make this work. I could. Yeah. Make this. <laughs> you know, I, it's interesting you say um, about the the first party companies with the the new tech. Uh, the thing that's a little disconcerting again about the 3DS at that price point. All Nintendo's producing initially is Nintendo Dogs and Cats, and without uh, without them producing something that really shows it off, you know, besides you know something that connects Skittles would eat for breakfast, I'm kind of a little concerned that it's going to take a while for us to see the the real hardware pushers. You know, you've got Metal Gear Solid, which you know is fairly fair bet that is going to push some hardware, um, as well as, uh, of course, Zelda and even Icarus. But, uh, you know, right out the gate, it might be a slow start just because they don't have any immediate system sellers like that. Yeah, I can see that. We'll, we'll have to see once, you know, hopefully it's not like the N64 were just launched with three games and then that's it for quite some time. Hopefully there'll be some games to go with it. But, uh, you know, hopefully maybe, you know, people just have some time to it's been playing with the hardware too, where they can toy with the 3D cameras and the you know 3D you know if there's stuff on the sh- 
on the uh, the uh, whatever they call, end up calling their application store or whatever um, to you know kind of get used to the hardware, and then we start getting the heavy hitters. Yeah, Red, I'm I'm absolutely thrilled that you got one of those grails that you've been looking for, and then you actually got something like Super Glove Ball to enjoy it because you know it, it's always terrible to have something you've been wanting in gaming for so long. You finally acquire it, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking for it since 92, ever since I saw it in a movie. <laughs> Don't stop believing, man. <laughs> okay, now we're going to go with the top five reasons the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System, is the greatest video game system of all time. Number five, the only loading time is how many tries it takes to get from blinky screen to title screen. Number four. Future game consoles began adding so many buttons, Nintendo finally gave up and just let us wag something in front of the screen. Number three. Reminds us of a simpler time when cutscenes were called box art. Number two. It brought to us, from the arcades, that great philosophical query, are we bad enough dudes to rescue the president? And the number one reason the Nintendo Entertainment System is the greatest video game system of all time, it's the only video game console repairable by saliva. Please note that RF Generation and its affiliates do not condone the use of Lego on video game consoles. Well, that wraps up another episode of RF Generation Nation. As always, if you have any questions, comments, queries, thoughts, or topic suggestions, please be sure to post them in our forums at rfgeneration.com, as well as any interest in interviews. You can also track your game collection, uh, post on the blogs, as Red has been doing with us, and get on the forums. You can also give us a phone call at area code 318 RFG tip five. That's area code three one eight seven three four eight four seven five. Or you can email us at podcast at rfgeneration.com. We'd like to thank our special guest, Red McKnight. Uh, we hope that you continue to write all sorts of interesting pieces for our little corner of the web here. And as always, don't forget to keep it on channel three. Catcher sucks.